Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. All right, this is going to take some setup because, first of all, it's Reckless Speculation Thursday Reckless on what has now become a Reckless Speculation Friday. For those of you watching, you can see it's Judd, it's Declan, it's Doogie, who is our scoop master and the last note is Phil is out today because um, the move is being completed. The mover's truck, which I guess uh, um, went off the road in Montana, has now been put back on the road and was arriving today at the Mackey's new estate. I can't tell you where it is exactly, what suburb, what hill, but let's just say I'm sure it's very, very nice. And so they are getting their stuff today. So uh, Phil and his beautiful bride are in the process of moving in and with that i give you reckless speculation thursday which has been moved to a special friday all right so darren let's start here vikings news and this is this is really what you're about to tell us i think is the height of what makes reckless speculation being being targeted as a certain thing so beautiful because like this is it right it's connecting the dots which by the way full disclosure guys like us do all the time so this is not new but why don't you start us off with what is truly a juicy, beautiful bit of reckless speculation? Well, I don't know how juicy. I mean, if it's juicy to you, Judd, that's fine. I don't it's necessarily juicy. know oh, how juicy it is. Definitely fine. If it's juicy it's to you, connecting too, dots. that's fine. Yeah, no, it's we can connect. Dots. Absolutely. We can connect these dots. By the way, good morning. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday on this Friday, February 17th. Thank you for your flexibility. I had a chance to connect with the new Gophers volleyball coach yesterday and just based on timing and having a nice long conversation with him it just didn't work for me you Declan Phil to connect on Thursday but yeah I did receive this and I just showed you guys the timestamp that I did receive this note at 228 yesterday afternoon now kudos to Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune he put it out in the Twitter sphere and it's out there right so you know, he'll get some of that credit. But I just wanted to show you guys that I was saving this very note for reckless speculation Thursday no. here on a Friday because it fits the theme. Go for volleyball theme. screwed it up. And go, and go let, for volleyball let's screwed it no up. No mistake. Go yeah. for volleyball screwed this up. And I don't like being <laughs> well, usurped by volleyball. Sure, I hear you. Although, again, I got this note at 228 yesterday afternoon. Right. So if we yeah. did have a conversation on Thursday, it would have been before 228. <laughs> but, like, I do a TV scoop on Thursday, but I had enough other material. So I decided, okay, I'll just, I'll save it for this very segment. But it's now out there via, via guessing. But Zadarius Smith has, speaking of an estate, a palatial estate, I'm 
positive Phil and his bride have a palatial estate. I'm positive Zadarius Smith also has a palatial estate really close or relatively close to the Vikings practice facility in Egan. He bought, he did not rent. Well, that property is about to hit the market. All right. So go ahead, Judd, if you would like to connect some dots based on, I don't have over the cap.com open in front of me. So you may know the money top of your head better than I, what will the Vikings save if they make a move on Zadarius? What sort of dead money is there? What's the money look like if they bring him back? But that is the information that Zadarius Smith's house in the East Metro, Southeast Metro, is about to hit the market. Uh, Three million doogie in dead money, 12.1 in savings. And also another uh, date of note here on March 19th, five million dollars is guaranteed on his contract. So if he is cut previously, that does not become guaranteed. But if they obviously cut him before that, you're looking at about. Roughly, uh, yeah, twelve million in cap savings and three million in dead money. My experience has been that yes, people do move. They're very rich. Football players are very rich, so they they can move. They can decide. You know, I wish I hadn't bought. I'd like to rent. But I think the logical conclusion here too is new defensive coordinator. They're going to be getting younger for sure. Like they need to get younger and faster. Um. I honestly don't know if you can afford to bring back Zadarius Smith and also almost certainly probably look at reworking and extending Daniil Hunter's contract, which will, for all intents and purposes, be going into the last year. So I think it's very fair to connect the dots that if there was an odd man out as far as the rush ends go, even if it's not ideal, it's Zadarius Smith. So I, I think this is a very fair one. I will not be surprised if he's not back. I would be surprised if things fell apart with Hunter and he didn't come back. I think the priority is probably on Daniil, who is who is still, I think, even with a couple of years where he was hurt, more reliable physically than a guy coming off a bad back. And look, Zadarius was magnificent until Buffalo when he hurt that knee and dropped off the face of the earth. Like, that's going to factor in. Well, yeah, I mean, it should. I mean, he was a no-show in the playoff loss, there were some pressures there. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at the just total sack numbers, dominant the first half of the season, he fell off a cliff. The second half, I'm with you, if I had to bet right now, of the two, a stronger chance that Daniil is back, not Zadarius. Now, it's also possible some team blows them out of the water on some sort of hunter trade offer. But, yeah, I think Daniil is more likely back and Zadarius. I mean, the numbers, Declan, you just laid out are pretty darn significant, right? I mean, when you can right. save that much money, you can logically draw the conclusion that, yes, how would you not make that move? Judd, you said it. I mean, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30, the back, right? Like, yes. Like, you can you can draw a conclusion that, hey, it's time to cut the cord on Zadarius. Now, it's also possible that, hey, you know you're not going to be here if you are here in 23, much beyond 23, so you need to sell the house at some point. Frankly, I'm surprised he bought in the first place, but that, hey, if the real estate market is hot enough in that particular yep. part of town, that, hey, you can always find a place to rent, right? So it could be as simple as that. Now, I did reach out to somebody knowing we would bring this up, so I texted somebody that would know some stuff. This morning, not necessarily the person who tipped me off on Thursday, but somebody that would know some stuff. If I get a text back during our conversation during this segment, 
I will pass it along. So far, nothing. Interesting stuff. Um, so the combine begins not next week, uh, but the week after that, uh, and that's going to be Duke's. Where speaking of r- reckless speculation, there's a firestorm. It'll be a beautiful oh, thing. Yes. Yes. Agents start yes. to talk, and now the Justin Jefferson contract comes up, and the Kirk contract comes up. Um, Jefferson is eligible for an, an extension, but he has two years of team control left. So, like, I expect it to get done at some point this summer. But that being said, the urgency is only in how much they sort of prioritize it um, just because he's such a good player. Let's talk about the Kirk contract extension for a second, because I'd be curious what you sort you know, j- just from your insighting in on this topic going back. But what is your expectation there? Because he's going into the last year. It's a very significant cap hit. It could be smoothed out again. But as we always know, that comes at, you know, at the price of void years then. Um causing issues with the cap down the road. Do you expect another kick of the can down the road here? Do you expect it to be a little bit more, this is probably going to, to be it, which by the way, won't sit well with Kirk and his his representatives. I'm just curious what we can expect here because this one is going to have to be talked about at the combine very seriously. Well, and it will be. I mean, make no mistake about that. I guess I feel the same way today, Judd, that I felt when we first broached this topic going back I guess about a month ago, right, immediately after the playoff loss to New York, that my gut tells me no extension. But those close to Kirk, when I say those, it's more than one person, anticipate some sort of extension. And there still is no proof that the Wilts are willing to hit any sort of reset button, right? So until I get a sense that the Wilts are willing to do that, I suppose some sort of extension is coming, but there's something in my gut that tells me bet the other side. So I may be proven wrong on that because I'm just telling you, I'm telling you the facts that are out there based on sourcing, right? My gut is just an instinct. It's not anything that has been sourced. So we'll see how that situation plays out. You're right. It'll ramp up here starting in two weeks in Indianapolis, not necessarily anything ramping up at this point, but it will ramp up before the month is over. Dukes, when you say bet on the other side, do you think, do you, are you, are you insinuating that it would be them riding it out or that that would be a potentially a, a long-term extension? Which one? The former that they would ride it out. And you know what? If he plays brilliantly in 23 Declan, you know, then you've got some options, right? I mean, you could franchise take him, whatever you want to do after the 23 season. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the road, right? But if you wanted to get to that point, and I still think it's more likely they would look to draft a quarterback in 24 compared to 23. Can here, Here's a question, and I don't know off the top of my head because it would be so rare. Can Kirk Cousins be franchise tagged again since he was franchise tagged oh, you know twice what? Good in question. Washington? Thank you for bringing that up. You know what? I don't know. Uh, yeah. He... he I think that's could, a really good question. Positive. Yeah, you know what? Because that franchise mm. tag is so hanky, it's so weird. It's well, so I'm not weird. even sure with a quarterback you'd want to put the franchise. No, tag, you right? wouldn't. I mean, but, but my point is, I don't even it's know. It's stupidly if that's expensive, a, a so I don't even know why I went down that rabbit hole. I don't know what the rule is on that, though. Heck, Declan, I'll you have any chance you can look that up real quick? I guess I'd be curious. It, yeah, be I don't even know if they could. Because I, I think the third time, the, the third time and out, out of sequence would be really, really rare. Uh, on Brian, Flores, I was thinking though with a different franchise. I thought maybe it was three with the same, but maybe. you know what? It's worth looking up. I don't know the answer. Apologies, I don't know. 
I'm Brian Flores, um, introduced a couple days ago now as the Vikings DC. I got this um, this note on Twitter, and I thought it was a very observant note. I, I picked up on it, but I didn't think th- think it through until I saw this. Did you find it intriguing that he did not mention one name? That he did not mention? You, a, a year ago, O'Connell came in talking about Harrison Smith. He came in talking about Kirk, obviously. But, you know, he mentioned a lot of players. Um, Flores said, I like the players who are here. I think a lot of them can fit the bill. But he never said, I love Eric Kendricks. He never said Harrison Smith's name. He didn't say Daniel Hunter's name. Uh, I thought that was a very astute observation by a follower on Twitter to sort of put the pieces together that he never started to drop names, which in these press conferences happens all the time. Well, I think there was some strategy behind that, right? I mean, I agree. he didn't approach that podium at one o'clock central time on Wednesday naked. What I mean by that is there were conversations about, hey, how do we approach the press conference? Right. And somebody had to have brought it up, Judd. Right. I mean, that was by design. That was very calculated. So very astute observation by that tweeter. But yes, I did notice that as well, that that was pretty darn interesting. And maybe that is a telltale sign that we know changes are coming. We're just trying to quantify how many changes, but maybe the number is going to be larger than a lot of us think. Dubes, what else uh, from the Brian Flores press conference that stood out to you? Obviously, they want to get younger. They want to get faster. Um, they obviously have some aging veterans with Zadarius Smith maybe on his way out. Do you see anyone else maybe that's going to be sticking put here? You know, like where, where does your gut tell you that what Brian Flores wants to do on a guy like Harrison Smith? Like where, where, does, where does your uh, mind go with that one? Yeah, well, I mean, on Harrison, I mean, that's just a really large number. Yeah. Right. And the way Quasey knows how to manage a cap analytics, you just don't pay a safety that much money. I have a hard time believing that Quasey would have done the contract that Rick Spielman did. So it's hard not to think something is going to happen there. But could Harrison be back at a lower number? I wouldn't necessarily rule out a scenario like that. I know a guy like Brian Asamoa is incredibly pumped up. I mean, it's hard to see Jordan Hicks back. You guys will know immediately the cap savings on on a Hicks move better than I just don't have everything laid out in front of me. But, you know, Brian Asamoa is going to play a lot more in 23. So I know somebody like Brian Asamoa, Declan, is is incredibly pumped up. I can't help but wonder about Patrick Peterson. You know, can he play in a Brian Flores-type defense? Is the man coverage skill set still there? Not entirely sure on that. He wants to be back. I know that. So that situation will also play itself out you know, big time come come the combine in in two weeks. But yeah, I mean, just a lot of questions, Eklund, I'm still trying to unearth. And I think I'm still trying to unearth the answers because these are still conversations being had in Egan, right? Like, I don't think any, like, firm conclusion, maybe on a guy or two, and it just hasn't leaked yet, but uh, they're having a lot of these same conversations right now at TCO. So, you know, I got to let those conversations play out before maybe I can attempt to, to get some some information leaked. All right, let's move to uh, Target Center, unfortunately. Um, what is it about the Timberwolves that that screams, oh, no, too much success, we can't have that? And and again, now Bradley Beal's a great player, but, you know, Washington, a team that you can definitely beat at home, a team that last night you led essentially the entire game uh, before completely blowing it late. What is it about this team that doesn't allow itself to take that next step? Every time we sort of get suckered into, yo, that Dallas win, 
that's going to be, you know, that's a big win. That's a step. Um, last night was just the same old, same old that the, the, I guess, to use the word the kids like, the regression step that we've been seeing, dudes, so many times th- during the course of this season. That's essentially what a 500 team does. Now, can the Wolves finish 42 and 40 or 43 and 39, slightly above 500? Sure, but that's the roller coaster of a 500 team. To speak to your point, Judd, if they win last night, they moved to three games over 500 for the first time all season. Up 17. Two minutes to go in the third quarter. Anthony Edwards driving layup. They go up 87. Actually, it was 18. 87 to 69. You don't blow an 18-point lead with 14 minutes to go. But here's how you blow that lead. A lot of it was on the offensive end. They missed 11 shots in the paint in the fourth quarter. Missed 19 of their final 25 shots. Then on top of that, some incredible shot making. Beal. And how about the Kuzma three late with, I think it was Edwards, all over him, right in his face. I don't know how that shot went in. Kuzma couldn't make shots last night, but that three goes in with a couple minutes left. Washington finally takes the lead. And it, you know, snowballed from there. But yeah, I mean, that's who they are, Judd. That's just who they are. And that's why I've been saying going back two months or at least six weeks, I don't see them achieving the preseason goal, even though the West is wacky. I don't see them achieving the preseason goal of of a top four seed. Is it possible they could get as high as five, maybe more so six? Sure, but that's who they are. They're going to be fighting until those final two or three games Will they be the 6 seed, 7 seed, 8 seed, 9 seed, or 10 seed? Now, somebody who roots for storylines, I don't think they're falling below 10. I don't. I just think Utah, after selling assets, Portland, now down Simons for, for some time. It's, just, it's hard for me to see them falling below 10. But the storyline I'm rooting for, like how would you not want a play-in scenario where it's Lakers-Wolves, winner in the playoffs, loser out? And I don't know if the Lakers get as high as the 7 or the 8, so it might be a scenario if the Wolves are the 7 or the 8, they have to lose that first game. Maybe the Lakers win their 9-10 game. So then it's a true play-in for that 8 seed, Wolves against Lakers. That is what I am rooting for. Oh, juicy. Uh, Dukes, uh, I saw a quote yesterday from Mike Conley post game. The poor guy, like, basically hasn't slept in like the three days since uh, since he was acquired, and he's just trying to get acclimated to the Twin Cities. Um, what 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 have you heard also maybe on on Mike Conley's transition here on a whirlwind trade uh, deadline acquisition from Utah now into Minnesota? Yeah, I mean he was good Monday in Dallas, Declan. He was not good last night. He stunk yeah. last night. It has been a whirlwind though. I mean, I sat down with him on Tuesday. For about 10 minutes, the Wolves put him through the car wash. I mean, you know, on a day off, there was no practice on Tuesday. They arrived back into town from Dallas at 1.15, 1.30 in the morning and had Mike early afternoon at the facility doing all this media. And he's such a nice guy. He also did a presentation or a Q&A with, with Wolves employees. So he was doing a lot of talking on Tuesday and another practice day on Wednesday. It's just, it's been crazy. Now the family's back in Utah. He's got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old. So they are not moving here. The six-year-old is in school. He told me, so it doesn't make sense to uproot the family this late in the school year, but I can only imagine, you know, the lack of sleep 
it's going to take some time. I mean, I brought this up to Mike. I said, hey, is it possible we won't see the true Mike Conley Jr. until Cat is back? And he acknowledged there definitely is some truth to that. Right? So, like, give it a little bit of time. Let's not draw any firm conclusions after just three games. But, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't good at all last night. He just wasn't. But that's where, Jed, you brought this up to me last week in our in our back and forth. And I said, like, to me, the trade is, it's neutral. Like, D'Angelo will help the Lakers, but, like, I don't think this trade all of a sudden vaults the Wolves up three or four more wins the rest of the year. This trade was about the future. Yes. This trade was about, For this season, flatline, right? Like, they're not going to go backwards, but this trade isn't going to push them forward this year. On the reckless speculation front, I I want to explore this uh, space here when it comes to the Wolves because and I, I brought this up on our uh, Royce Unchained podcast as well. But you know, Darren, when the Gobert trade was made, when the excitement was was with some about that trade, and when the season started, especially, we had a lot of conversations about the expectations here, and you know, over unders on fifty wins, and expectation that this could make a this team could make a playoff run. Yeah, I mean, I thought I fifty. I thought preseason I, fifty. I said bet the over Vegas over under. Clearly, I was wrong on that. They're not even going I, to hit the forty six wins they had last year. And I know Cat's been hurt, but do you think is there any price to pay here? Like, if this season ends with let let's just say a play in loss, like they. They make the play-in tournament, but they lose before the actual playoffs start. What's the fallout here? Because it just feels like you what now? Six months ago, four months ago, there was there you know there was a genuine excitement about this franchise, and if they if they don't make the playoffs, playoffs that's going to change things. And so I'm just curious. I mean, I think Conley's safe, but is Finch in trouble? Is anybody like what does? a massive disappointment due to a franchise that I think firmly thought it had turned some type of corner. Yeah, well, I mean, Tim Connolly isn't going anywhere. Right. Finch would be the guy to keep an eye on, especially when you have Quinn Snyder sitting out there. But, like, there was never, like, even going back, I told you this in December, like, there was never any point where Glenn Taylor, who's still the majority owner, was willing to eat the money on Chris Finch's contract. Like, it never... Like during that six game losing streak, there were people asking, Oh, the time is yeah, is near for, for the end of the Chris Finch era. Like, no, it never got to that point, mostly because, like, trust me, you know, I said there was some finger pointing going on internally, but like it never got to the point of Glenn saying, Yeah, okay, here's a big fat check, go away. So as long as Glenn is the majority owner, I mean they signed Finch to an extension less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. April of last year. So like I just I would be hard pressed to see a change, but let's see how that how that doomsday scenario plays out. Like if they lose a seven eight playing game, then lose you know right. to the nine or the ten seed, and let's say they get blown out, complete no show. Like the tone, you know, may may dictate some things, so we can revisit this conversation. But right now, I would say it'll be it'll be status quo. Doogie, uh, Twin Scoops, uh, obviously they reported to Twins, uh, Twins reported this pitchers and catchers reported to spring training. I saw Kenta Maeda was throwing bullpens. Chris Paddock uh, was also speaking to the media for the first time since the Tommy John surgery. Uh, what do you know from uh, Fort Myers, Florida? Yeah, and one more on the Wolves, by the way. You know, you touched on it briefly, Judd, with Cat. I mean, you are talking about their 
best or second best player, right? You take the, let's say, second best player off a lot of these teams, you know, they're not going to win a ton of games, right? And on Cat, I thought there was a chance he'd be back in January. And I knew the severity of, of the calf strain, but I still thought, okay, maybe January 28th or January 30th. Then I said, okay, yeah, he could be back here in the month of February. Well, it's not going to be February at this point because he's not returning that first game after the All-Star break, which is one week from today. They host Charlotte. Okay, so that's February 24th. I don't think he's going to be back a couple days thereafter. So at this point, it's looking like March. I don't know if he returns on that West Coast trip. They actually have a stretch where they play one of the L.A. teams on a Tuesday, then play the other one on a Friday. So they're in Los Angeles for like four or five days. In fact, Conley Jr. told me his family's going to meet him out there that week. So that'll be some good bonding time for Mike with, with his wife with his kids just it works out well when they're in LA for like four or five days four nights five days but like Cat is going to be back I've never once heard that it's going to be a season ending type situation but at this point it is looking like March and I know Shams put it out there possibility of six more weeks I've not heard that like that would really really surprise me or at least somebody tweeted me that I don't know if his verbatim was more you know Cat comes back with like 10-ish games left which I guess would point to like five to six more so weeks. Are we, so are we afraid if he comes back, uh, air, air quotes, too quick that we're talking about a Durant Achilles? Yeah, like, the Achilles or, is, is the concern. The concern now, is that it's going to snap. Yeah, I mean, there is there is concern, yes. Okay. I mean, that that's exactly okay. it. Now, I will tell you, like, when I was there on Tuesday, he was active. Like, he was there on a day off getting work in. He's been ramping up activity. So, yeah, just in terms of him ramping up activity, now on the road, with the Wolves, like six more weeks would really, really surprise me. It really would. But there's still no timetable, specific timetable. You talk to people with the Wolves, they won't pinpoint any specific timetable. Like, yeah, we expect Cat back by March 12th or March 6th or March 20th. Like, they won't even do that. So it's it's a very interesting situation. I think the Wolves could have been more transparent at different times. To me, it's unfortunate that Cat on his Twitch had to reveal it's a grade three calf strain, not a grade two, or some people had even thought initially a grade one. Like to me, Woj, when he put out initially that four to six weeks, you know, my sense is Woj was led to believe it was more a grade one, right? And, you know, was there more stuff done? Like I told you, there's more to that Jordan McLaughlin situation than what was put out there. I'll just leave it at that. You know, but Jordan's back now. All as well, but I'm just curious if maybe there was a little bit more done with Cat that was never officially announced. All right, now to the Twins. So Paddock did talk Declan at some point late in the season after the Tommy John, but yeah, now that he's in Fort Myers, now that he signed the contract extension, first time addressing the three-year extension, but with the second Tommy John like he's been saying for a while, I won't be back until mid to late August or even September. That's the recommendation of the doctor, not the twins doctors, but the doctor who did the Tommy John, who did his previous Tommy John, who said, Hey, Chris, you need to take it easy. Like this is not a situation after the second one where you rush back. Like this is more like 15 months, not 12 months, maybe even 16 months. I mean, heck, I'm not ruling out the possibility that Chris Paddock is out for the entire 23 season but right now there is an aim to be back late in the season late August mid-August September sometime in that time frame but they have more starting pitching depth 
than I can remember under Derek Falvey. So this is year seven of the Derek Falvey regime, Thad Levine as well, right? They haven't had starting pitching depth like they still lack a true ace, but hey, many teams do. To me, there's only about 10 of those guys in the sport, so it's not like the Twins are unique not having a true ace, but they have a bunch of starting pitching depth. But I was curious with Sonny Gray, with Tyler Malley, with Kenta Maeda, all entering the final years of their contracts, has there been any extension talks? Well, the answer is no. At some point, probably, but right now, no. Like Gray's representation will be in Fort Myers in the coming weeks, okay? When his representation is in Fort Myers, inevitably some sort of conversation with the front office will come up. Doesn't mean that Sonny is running to sign an extension anytime soon. There is appeal to hitting the free agent market next winter. But bottom line, as I sit here in real time here on February 17th, the Twins have not had any extension talks on Mally, on Gray, on Kentameda. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This team has shown a um, a a willingness, Dukes, to certainly make spring training trades, some big ones. What do we expect there? Because like it, it feel it feels to me like there is certainly a glut at certain positions uh, going into spring training. It feels like they're dealing from a position of potential strength in making a trade uh, to bolster an area, perhaps where there is some concern. The first name, obviously, that comes to mind for me, if he starts to have a decent spring, is Max Kepler. But what is the expectation, do you think, recklessly speculating of the Twins uh, swinging what would be, I think under Falvey, like a third or fourth fairly significant spring training trade? Well, like Texas is still in the market for an outfielder. Texas has spoken with the Twins about Kepler specifically. So like I'm not ruling out a potential match there. But like even going back a few weeks when Rocco spoke at Dunkers, he was gushing about Kepler and how the ban on the shift should really aid him. We've been hearing about this for a while, but Rocco expounded on that at Dunkers and revealed how Max like was fighting a lot of mind games the last even couple years. Like really, really was just overloaded mind-wise, right? We we hear it all the time. He was mind bleeped, right? Like he was just he was all over the place mentally, even with the twins having a sports psychologist on staff, you know, that psychologist having plenty of conversations with Max, he just couldn't get out of his own head. The ban on the shift should aid him greatly, but I'm not ruling it out. I mean, let's see how a guy like Matt Walner 
looks the next month. To me, Matt Walner, maybe it's my bias being a Forest Lake kid, somebody I've known for many years, but like to me, Matt will be wasting time in St. Paul. Matt Walner is a big leaguer. Yeah, there's a lot of swing and miss there, but to me, he's a major leaguer. He just is. And if we want to debate that there's more major league talent than jobs available, I've always said that about the NBA. There are more NBA players than jobs available. Fine. We can have that conversation that just based on the business, guys having options, there are big leaguers who are just stuck in the minors. But to me, if Matt Walner looks really, really good the next month, I would push more toward, hey, it's time to cut the cord on Max. But just the way Rocco was talking in January at Dunkers leads me to believe that Rocco really wants to manage Max Kepler this season. Dude's sticking on Kepler there because obviously I think I just saw he's, he's at B, he's at Fort Myers now. He was taking BP as of this morning, and with the acquisition too of Joey Gallo and even Michael A. Taylor, just the the Twins have a lot of outfield depth here, and that's not even mentioning Kirloff or Larnick, right? I mean, there's a plethora of outfielders that the Twins could throw out there in in a defensive alignment or a lineup. And to me, it seems like maybe they could field some calls and maybe before opening day, they do move Max Kepler. But at the same time, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if his value basically in the complete seller, that if something pops up and some of these other guys push him for other spots, that he could still be potentially even moved by the deadline or at some point mid-season too. Sure. I mean, you look at his long-term contractual situation, right? And the depth that the Twins have, right? I mean, he is a logical trade target. But I guess it would depend, Declan, where are the Twins at in the standings at that point? What do his numbers look like? There is interest in Kepler. So even with the down years, the last couple of years, I can tell you, there's legit interest in Kepler. I'm sure those teams look at it and say, yeah, the shift on the band is going to help him. He still squares up enough pitches. It's not like there's a lot of swing and miss there with Kepler. Plus, he's a plus outfielder. Right, so there's value there. I mean, you look at the contract, you know, a guy like Michael Conforto got, right? I mean, you look at the Max Kepler contract compared to some of these other corner outfield contracts, it's an appealing contract, right? I mean, he's not even making, is he making $10 million a year at this point? Forget it's what the really back end of, of the extension a few years ago is. I mean, is he closer to eight and a half or nine? Right, so he's not even in eight figures. He may not be in eight figures. If he's in eight figures, it's just barely in to the eight figures. But point is, it's an appealing contract. But it's also appealing to the Twins. But I'm just saying, like with Texas, heck, I know the Yankees at one point kicked the tires, the Rays, the Marlins. I mean, there's been enough interest, the Rockies, that I'm not necessarily ruling out at some point the next month a trade. But just the way Rocco was talking at Dunkers leads me to believe that Rocco is pushing to manage him come opening day. Final scoop, sir. What did I write down here? Yeah, Yeah, well, so I brought this up on Tuesday, Judd, about the Twins having interest in Brad Hand. I didn't expound necessarily, so I'll expound now. I think it's more the Twins would love to convince him to take a minor league deal. Go ahead and win a job here the rest of February into March, and and, you know we'll add you at that point to the 26th man, and you know we'll guarantee you a couple million dollars. But at this point, it doesn't seem like the Twins are willing to, to add somebody on a major league deal, even though at this point the Twins can transfer some guys to the to the 60 day injured list. So if they want to transfer right now, you know, whether it's a Royce Lewis, Chris Paddock, I mean Chris Paddock, that move will come. The Twins don't have to make that move right now, but if they want to create a 40 man spot, they could. But maybe they want to create a 40 man spot for somebody else that we're not even thinking of, right? So, you know, there's different ways to manipulate the roster, but the Twins have had dialogue on hand. 
They did have some dialogue on Matt Moore, who came off the board on Wednesday or Thursday to the Angels, one year, seven and a half million. The Twins were not willing to go to that point. So the Twins had some interest in Moore, but never once did the Moore camp think that the Twins would be willing to approach that sort of money. So Matt Moore was never going to land here. The Twins never were in on Michael Fulmer, you know, in spite of what Derek Falvey told me on December 20th. So he's off to the Cubs one year, $4 million. Clearly, if the Twins wanted to do that deal, they could have. There just, there wasn't interest. Same on Chaffin, Andrew Chaffin, a decent lefty that went off the board to Arizona in the last three days. The Twins were never in on Chaffin. St. Thomas Athletics, score north, 1500 ESPN, the home of St. Thomas Athletics. They are fighting to end this five-year postseason, you know, wait. So what I mean by that is, and it doesn't mean the NCAA is going to agree, but what I mean by that is, in the next couple weeks, the men's basketball team will play in Sioux Falls in the Summit League tournament. Now, Oral Roberts is the overwhelming favorite, but two weeks ago, St. Thomas was down three to Oral Roberts with 50 seconds left. That means that St. Thomas can play with Oral Roberts. Right now, St. Thomas is fourth in the standings in the Summit League, but they can play with the top three teams. Now, Oral Roberts hasn't lost a conference game. That's why I'm saying Oral Roberts is the overwhelming favorite. But would it shock me? It's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Tommies could actually win the Summit League tournament, which then would give you an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. But guess what? Because of the five-year wait, the Tommies would have to decline an NCAA tournament invitation. So that is what Dr. Phil Eston, the rest of the St. Thomas Athletic Department, is fighting, right? Not just men's basketball, but men's basketball is the easy example to cite because that men's basketball team is really good. I went to the game last Saturday. They beat Kansas City by 30, held them to 43 points. The Tommies are really, really good. This true freshman, Andrew Rohde from Milwaukee, Really, really good. I mean, they have a bunch of guys that could play high major, but he is, I'm telling you, like he's as good a player as there is outside of a couple of the guys on Oral Roberts as there is in the entire Summit League. So just know that St. Thomas is pushing pretty hard with the NCAA to move that five-year wait, you know, whatever it is, next year or the year after. Because right now, like, for example, the Tommies can't play in the NCAA tournament until 2026. So if they could make the NCAA tournament in 24 or 25, or the NIT, just something postseason, they would like to do that. So the Tommy's Athletic Department is pushing hard with the NCAA to move up this five-year waiting period. Brock Faber, Gopher star defenseman, future Wild defenseman. Heck, he'll sign with the Wild as soon as the Gopher season is over. Probably, Judd, you would know this better than I, but probably slide in and get minutes instantly. Like, I don't think Brock Faber needs to go to Iowa or anything like that. It is a short-term upper body injury. He is going to be back soon enough. Won't be in the lineup this weekend. The Gophers hockey team clinched officially last night. The Big Ten regular season championship. He will be back, though. This is not any sort of long-term injury with the future Wild defenseman. Outstanding stuff, Darren. Thank you, and we will talk to you again on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, boys. See ya. Thanks, dudes. All right. Judley, we got the uh, Minnesota Golf Show coming up uh, this time next week. Little purple daily town hall too. I believe you yes. and Phil will be down there at the Minneapolis Convention Center. You're going to be uh, taking some questions. You're going to taking some feedback, maybe even some write that down predictions. We're gonna. Here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to drink beers. We're going to be on a podcast that you can find. But this is more about actually in person interaction. 
And the call to action is this. If you're on the cabinet, if you are on the purple daily cabinet, which is absolutely enormous, which is outstanding, we want to see you. We want you to check in. We want to discuss with you the state of purple daily cabinet and the Vikings, of course, as well. And that will be at the golf show. Tickets are $12, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, you can go to minnesotagolfshow.com. Yeah, uh, go hang out with Phil and Judd next week and some great apparel. There's great clubs there. You can get fitted there, for God's sakes. I mean, there's plenty of different options at the golf show. It's an absolute blast. So uh, go check out, go check it out, go hang out with Mackie and Judd next weekend at the Minneapolis Golf Show. Uh, Judd, we got some feedback Friday on Purple Daily coming up. We also have a Judd's Hockey Show uh, to get into. So there'll be plenty of content still sprinkled around here uh, on your Score North and Purple Daily podcast feeds and YouTube channels over the next few days. Uh, Mackie, I think, returns on Monday. Yeah, the move should be complete. He'll have his stuff all in, in his new abode by then. So, yes. He will. But you know what? The key is this, folks. When Reckless Speculation Thursday moves to Friday and the weekend, we want you to be careful, but always be reckless. Just remember, reckless speculation never hurt nobody. It was only fun. All right. Hit that subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment. This is Score North. Go check us out on Purple Daily. We'll be back on Monday.